So last week, listeners will remember that we are talking about film sets or video productions, and specifically Nick as a producer of video, how he appreciates a small 30-second little acknowledgement of a call sheet as just something so important for him as a producer and also as an indicator of the value that that crew member, that actor, that makeup artist, whoever it was, has for him. What other things do you look for when you've got actors or crew people on the set when it comes to what I would call the personal brand demonstration activity that catches your attention? It never ceases to amaze me how many uh, cast and crew would send me their resume or their headshot or showreel and not put their name in the file name. The headshot is img7481.jpg. It's like tying your shoes. Yes. Are you yeah. telling me you don't tie your shoes? Why wouldn't it be, in my case, DP Knuton portrait or square? If I, like sometimes I'll put it, the word square in there. Just so I know that, oh, this is the square aspect ratio photo rather than more of a a true portrait or something. But boy, you're right. People won't even do the minimum to to demonstrate their care. It should just be a given. It's a very small thing, but it's it's something very true. I always say, like, especially with actors, you know, and be respectful. If you don't get it, if you are lucky enough to be given that rejection email, which often doesn't happen, and I understand why, no harm in replying, thanks for thinking of me and just being respectful back. On set, you don't want cast and crew that, if I'm director or producer, giving them the information to fulfill the task. You want them to challenge you back, but in a really lovely collaborative way, you know, like a a respectful way. Like, have you thought about doing it this way? Or we could do it this way. And you've hired those cast and crew because they are better at their specific task than you are. As a producer, you have to have a broad knowledge of, every aspect, but you obviously can't be master of all of them because that's just impossible. But I want that cast or crew member to have engaged in the conversation, to, to, have, to have questioned the, the process, whether that's in pre-production or, or production. Right. So what you're kind of asking for is what Walt Disney back in the day called plussing. It's like, yeah, I hired you to not only run a camera, yeah. But I want you to suggest, you know, if we did a move like this, Correct. it'll add this, that, and the other thing. And, and I'm sure we both could list a whole bunch of top shelf directors who have literally gotten their Academy Award level stuff sure. done because of the editor they always use or the yeah. cinematographer they always use. I'm sorry, Martin Scorsese, but Thelma Schoonmaker has more... Academy Awards for yeah. your films than you do for your own. You know, with, with, with filmmaking and, and content production, you, you're always working with, with lots of different people at very short notice for an intense period of time, and then you might not see them for a while. And every time we do a production, you're observing everybody and how you, firstly, how you get on with them just from a chemistry perspective. And I do like to work with people that have a similar chemistry to me. But, you know, every time you go, right, that hair, makeup and artist, she didn't quite do it for me. But that art director, she was good. Yeah. She went above and beyond and she did it graciously and respectfully. And it's like when people don't send their invoices for about another month afterwards and you're chasing them to give you an invoice. It's like we, we want to wrap this up, you know, <laughs> right? Um, all our administrations all done. So, yeah, you know, experience brings 
so doing multiple projects brings that experience and brings that you start developing your team of trusted advisors around you, which when you work better and more collaboratively, and when the shit does hit the fan, which, you know, things happen, you know, that can be out of your control and you've all got to muck in together because you've got that, I guess, lived experience of, of, of all the good times. You're more likely to muck in together and, and sort it out. Yeah. Because there'll be more good around the corner. Well, and for listeners who've never been on any type of video set or film set, those days can be brutal. They can be 20 hour days. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're an actor, you could sit there for 12 hours of those 20 hours, not doing anything. And as an actor, you have to know when to stay out of the way, keep your mouth shut. And yet when you're called, you're up, your lines are ready to be nailed perfectly. And if the director wants to do 50 takes, you do 50 takes if they want to do two takes and do it right uh, get it in two you make sure you can get it in two and those actors who don't are not on that director's set ever again and that's right absolutely and by the way if you're an actor who didn't get the part but you were close and an actor flames out on the first day of filming don't be surprised if all of a sudden there's a call Yes. Can you be here in the next half hour? Yeah. And the answer is always, yes, I can. It's interesting how much the hierarchy and protocols of film I apply to, I guess, more corporate content production. A great example for me is like, as as an actor, I love it when the director comes and has a quiet word to you very privately, one-on-one. DP, I loved how you did that. Just like to do it again. Can you just up the ante 10%, the energy and the anger 10%, all right? We might not use it, but let's just do it for shits and giggles and see how it works. Is that all right? And it's a, it's a private, intimate note, and I know clearly why that's been given. When you do a TV commercial and the clients aren't aware of that, and they've, of course, got their pressure of, you know, getting this thing done on budget, on time, and we've got to make sales from it. I've seen so many clients shout directly and, and be vocal. And because they don't have that emotional intelligence of how to articulate the criticism in a constructive way, it can be so damaging because the actor in particular feels so ridiculed in front of all the people. Boy, if you want to talk about the most vulnerable human being on the face of the earth, it's an actor in front of a camera. Yeah. Because as an actor who may be theatrically trained, you know, regular live theater, improv comedy, on camera, all that stuff, you know how to turn stuff up or turn it down, but you rely on the external eye of the director to attenuate or accelerate or enhance the performance. And you, frankly, you don't know if you're too big or what we call here in the States over the top. If you're over the top, it's like, no, 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 dial it back. But here's one of the rules of acting. I'm sure you know this rule too, which is too big can always be brought down, Mm. but too small can never be brought up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but still it it comes back to that trust and that trust is earned Mm. even from the first take. Like if the director throws down their script and is looking at you with daggers flying from their eyes, there is no trust. Yes. But if they did what you just described, which was you're a professional, I'm a professional, we can have a professional conversation. I might have to come down on you a little bit hard, but I won't do it in front of anyone else. And I won't even do it in a way that makes it feel like I'm coming down on you hard. 
because yeah. I know that if I say that wasn't quite there, you know what that means, which is you aren't even close. I, I can remember very early years ago in my career, one of the first big sets I'd ever been on, sort of an assistant role, and uh, I, I, I'd forgotten something. I can't even remember what it was. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I started running to go and get it because I thought I'm holding everybody up. Ran back and gave the person the thing. And he goes to me, thanks, mate. Well done. Little tip, don't run because you're demonstrating to everybody that you've got something wrong, you know? Yeah. And just keeping that calm, composed manner, not drawing attention to yourself. And it's the same when it comes to public speaking. It's the same doing this, this discussion, you know? Love beautifully told me that you'll be editing out the ums and the ahs, you know, when <laughs> one of us has stumbled, you know? It teaches you a lot about that, of presenting yourself calmly rather than yeah, being flustered. Yeah. And we were talking about being on sets and stuff like that, especially commercial TV productions. There's client there, there's agency there, yeah. but to the production company, there are two clients there because the production company is serving the agency and the client that is right. the producing company of the product or service. So from the production company's point of view, those people are both equally important. Ah, but the real truth is the agency has two clients as well, the production company and the client. Because for me, I want to get the best work. Mm. And the best work is gotten the way you just said, which is walk up very quietly and say, yeah. this isn't working. Yeah. Just wanted you to know that. Yeah. I think she's getting a little bit upset. And then I walk away. Yeah, that's right. And I am, if you're an agency copywriter, yeah, I wrote every word. I know it up, down, sideways. I want the best production. If you as mm -hmm. the director say, you know, that person, that actor can't say that word or that phrase, can we change yeah. it a little bit? And yeah. we've all done that, right? Or I know you you carefully time this to be a 30 second TV advert. Actually, it's coming out like 40 seconds. We need to do yeah. some editing. Boy, that's a dance of death unless it's handled professionally and very carefully. And that's the value it's not just me, the copywriter typing that provides value. It's me understanding the dynamic on the set and how that works and being respectful of the team that we've brought together to create this thing. Even if at the end of the production, I'm going, I'm never working with these guys again. Sure. Totally. Yeah. But you still got to fulfill your professional duty and get it done and, you know, and then yeah. just write it up. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, you yeah. did it right when it happened to me, when I left the agency in Atlanta, my client, I had a very close relationship with i yeah. said hey i'm i'm moving back to denver colorado and and she looked at me all the blood drained out of her face and she said oh dp don't do that you know because <laughs> because we had built a relationship where i respected what she needed to get yeah i understood what that was and i could translate that and part of my huge value for her was that she knew what was handled yeah all she had to say was i don't like that great let me take care of that we walk over, we talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Nonfiction Brand, Discover, Craft, and Communicate the Completely True, Completely You Brand You Already Are, now available on Amazon.com. Too many people for too many years have labored in obscurity. Why? Because that's the way it's always been. Work for someone else and remain nameless, letting others take credit for your hard work. But in today's hyper-connected everything-is-media world, that's all changed. In 1997, Tom Peters outlined the tenets of a new concept, personal branding. 
Fact is, if you're not actively branding yourself based on who you are, what you do, and how you do it, you are leaving opportunity on the table. But with this book and a little bit of work, that opportunity is 100% yours to own starting today. Christopher Wilshire, CEO of Egg Strategy said, this is the kind of book that changes how you view the rest of your career and how you go about amplifying your value to the wider world. To get your copy, head on over to amazon.com and search nonfiction brand and let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. This all comes back to, again, running your own business and taking on the jobs you want to and not taking on the jobs you don't want to. And right. you know, the first year of business is always the hardest because you always get, usually most people get half the revenue they forecast and double the costs. Right. And you know, a lot of people just take the work because they need the cash flow to just even pay the bills and put food on the table. Some are lucky they don't have to do that. And that is wonderful, but you know, majority would be that way. And that's, that, it's, it's, that's quite an interesting conundrum, isn't it, when it comes to branding and values of like taking work because you have to. And, and then as you get bigger or more experience, you're able to turn work down, which always feels really good. Yeah, it does. But it's, it's interesting that the way you brought it up, tying back to something you said last week about you being a laid back guy, you know, you're not a, I'm going to use my own words, but you're not a hard charging type A person. You're much more collaborative, but in kind of a collegial way rather yeah. than a scientific collaborator way, if you know what I mean, there's a big difference. And yet I'm thinking of another director from the eighties and nineties here in the United States, Joe Pitka. He was known as the most Martinet hard ass in the world, and he drove crews crazy, but he was the A-plus director for Pepsi, for Ford Motor Company, for you name it. He was the go-to guy when you had to get the thing done. Yeah. Yeah. And so his brand was based on his demeanor and his output, you know, what he could create. Other people totally different on set. And, yeah. you know, consequently, if a company came to you needing a Joe Pitka, they were never going to get a Joe Pitka totally. because that's yeah. not who you are. So you would have left them unsatisfied. Correct. Absolutely. I think with our work as well, as we've evolved, we've been going seven years now. And now the work we're getting is much more around social impact and health and helping people's lives, you know, rather than in the early days, there's a lot more tech stuff you know we did a lot of tech work and and that's nice because we've been able to do the work we want to you know and so now our portfolio is is more representative of who we are and then that attracts more like-minded type people because the work we don't want to do look at our portfolio and go oh you know what they look a great company but i don't think totally they're quite right for us yeah and a lot of people don't understand about branding yeah branding is not to create a brand that applies or attracts everyone it's yeah, designed to allow people to differentiate and say, you're not the brand for me. This other thing is the brand for me. It truly is about differentiation because let's just keep talking about film production, video production. Production companies are a dime a dozen. Mm. If you are just a production company, you can be replaced by another production company at any time. But if you develop a style that is uniquely your own, if you have a service style or a service personality that people choose to prefer because it's more aligned with who they are and how they like to work, you are not one of many. You're one of one. 
And that's the goal of branding is to become one of one of who you truly are. I've got a lovely anecdote on there, actually, about two years ago, an aged care company. So I don't know if that's what the same term in America, but an elderly residential home. Yeah. So an aged care company, big one, approached us to pitch for a documentary they were doing on end of life. So people that knew they had 12 months or less to live and what life means and what their, and what healthcare means to them. And we went in there and uh, yeah, we got the pitch deck out and we did who we are, what we do, who we've done it for, you know, identical. And I said these words, I said, you will have seen every other pitch we've gone through pretty much, you know, why we're good at storytelling and deliver on budget and blah, 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 blah. But this is my last slide. And I showed them a short film that I had made that was honoring my mum who had died of cancer after five years. And it was a dramatic narrative piece. It wasn't like a, you know, a, a video diary piece. It was a proper narrative film. And I said, the reason you should go with us is because I've got the lived experience of watching my mum die over five years. So that when I come to be interviewing those talents, I've got that lived experience to be able to continue the discussion where your other production companies might not. And I knew I, I knew I'd got them. Oh, yeah. See, you did what I talk about so much on this podcast. You demonstrated who you are, what you do and how you do it by telling your story in a way and demonstrating your very heartfelt personal story in a way that they totally connected with. And I guarantee you that's what they wanted. Totally. We don't need a, a sterile. This is how people die. Yeah. They want to tell the true story mm. of that type of end of life situation. And you gave them, okay, that video you gave them at the end, let's say they saw five other production companies. Yeah. Everybody does the same stuff that you talked about, the same pitch deck, all that stuff. If you've been in a pitch where there have been five people and you're in the middle of that pitch, they don't remember you by the end of the fifth pitch. Yeah. Unless you give them a brandle, a brand handle. Yeah. Who are those guys? They're the ones with the film. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. The memorable thing that is not a gimmick. Because, I mean, let's face it, you showing that film, some people could say, wow, that's pretty manipulative. But I'm sure it didn't come off that way at all. The funny thing about that film is that the production values are pretty crap because it yeah. was done with, with no budget and no resources. My wife and I made that on a DSLR and mobile phone, you know? The production values wise, it's not shiny and polished like our showreel is, but as far as heart goes. One of the things I was going to ask you when I was preparing for this chat was something I do with, with my students to just demonstrate that we're all capable of putting emotion into storytelling and, and then branding. It's a really simple exercise. And I know during this pandemic, we all work from home now, but let's imagine you are still working in that ad agency in town, yeah? I'm going to ask you, how did you get to work? How do I get there? Okay, imagine you are working. Tomorrow, you've got to go to work in the ad agency, right? How, how do you get to work? I'd hop in my car, drive there, park, get out, walk in. Yeah. What most people say. And the response I give is like, I drove to work and I parked in the car park. And as I got out, I, I needed a coffee. And I went to the local coffee cart and there was an old man there playing the violin. And he started playing It's a Wonderful Life. I got my coffee and I just sat down on the bench and just listened to this man play this beautiful song and thought about that life and what I'm grateful for and at the end gave him a tip and went on my way in a much better frame of mind and, and got to work 
So it's a very basic, simple example of how you can put emotion and feeling into what is a very mundane question, yeah? By putting your heart and, and how it makes you feel. And I think if we can all try and do that in our personal branding, it's going to be more effective. I, I think what's key is that you demonstrated emotion in a way that, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but when people say emotion here, it tends to go all the way to dramatic emotion. Correct. You know, it, it's it's either crying or yelling, yeah. screaming, fingers waving in your face, yeah. as opposed to, no, it, it's merely taking it out of my description of driving to work and adding a little bit of, oh, bit of color. I yeah. bet you that was nice. And guess yeah. whose story is remembered by the audience? Not mine. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a great conversation, Nick. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. I'm talking with Nick Bolton, who is a filmmaker, video producer, actor, lecturer at the, um, what is that? Afters, uh, Australian Film, Television and Radio School, Afters, A-F-T-R-S. And that's the premier yeah, uh, school yeah. for that? So there's basically two main schools. Afters is for crew and NIDA is for actors. So, you know, you Kate Blanchett's, Russell Crowe's all went through NIDA. And then with Afters, you know, all your big, great DPs and directors have have gone through afters, basically. It's a wonderful organization. Well, Nick's a great guy and a good friend of both of ours. Kate Toon is a regular on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and she's she introduced us to each other, and I'm so glad she did, because obviously Nick has a lot to say, and I would love to invite people to connect to Nick via social media or website or whatever. So, Nick, how can people connect with you if they are so interested? Yeah, look, love to hear from people. My our company website is 10alphas.com.au, T-E-N-A-L-P-H-A-S, com.au. I'm on LinkedIn, Nick Bolton, Facebook, come on. Yeah, so reach out, please. And email is nick at 10alphas.com.au. Well, there you go. I mean, and by the way, I always tell people this is a pro tip. If you ever go to a conference and you hear people with Australian accents, go seek them out because they're the nicest, warmest, kindest people you'll ever meet. And by the way, they'll introduce you to every other single Australian at that conference. And by the end, you'll have 20 new friends, guaranteed. Very That's certainly been true for me, DP Knuton, here at the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks, Nick, for being on. One more time, I got to say it again. I'm DP Knuton for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and he is... Nick Bowden. And I'll be talking at you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>